Hello and welcome to Locked on Flames. I'm your host, Kristen Anderson, and thank you so much for joining me. The Calgary Flames are 6-6-2 and face the Nashville Predators tonight, who are 8-3-1. And this is an interesting matchup in so many different ways. First of all, who the heck are these guys? Who the heck are these Flames? Are they a contender? Are they a team that can't score goals this season? A team that can't win on the road? Currently, they're 2-5-1 away from the Scotiabank Saddle Dome, and they're going to have to make these decisions rather quickly. Yes, it's still early in the 2019-20 campaign, but pretty soon it's not going to be that early anymore. But right now, they certainly don't look like a team that had 50 wins last year. Someone asked me when I was doing radio the other day if this is a playoff hangover from the springtime, and if somehow that five-game booting from the playoffs by the Colorado Avalanche has carried over to the start of the season. I'm not sure I buy it, but potentially... Like, think about it. it. It took them so much work to get in the playoffs. And frankly, this is a team that's still learning to be great. Think about all those Pittsburgh years. Think about the Washington Capitals. Think about the Vegas Golden Knights, the Boston Bruins. Think about the St. Louis Blues even last year when they won the Stanley Cup. It takes years of failing and succeeding and time to find their groove. And don't count the flames out of that group. Alex Ovechkin's comments about the Toronto Maple Leafs earlier this week really resonated with me when Ovechkin, one of the greatest goal scorers of all all time, said it took them four years for their core group to figure it out. Now, this is what Ovechkin said. He said, I think for them, they're still a young group of guys and I hope they are going to learn. He said, it's up to them how they want to do it. And if they want to play for yourself or they want to win a cup, they have to play differently. This is important. This is significant. This is relevant to the Flames in so many ways. He was talking about the Leafs, but the Flames could fall into that conversation as well. Johnny Goudreau, Sean Monaghan, Michael Backlund, and Mark Giordano have been together for six seasons already. Six seasons. And if you add Elias Lindholm, Matthew Kachuk, Noah Hannafin, David Riddick into the mix, it's less than that, obviously. But there's been three different coaches in, in that six-year span. And at some point, it's not on the coaches. It's on the players to figure it out for themselves. So on Tuesday night, the Flames lose their second straight. They barely touched the puck in the third period and didn't get a shot on goal until the 19-minute mark. It was also the second straight game they let a one-goal lead slip after 40 minutes. They've been outshot 25-8 to over the last two third periods. And if you add that third period debacle against the Florida Panthers, it's been a really tough one for the Flames to close out games recently. For comparison's sake, the Nashville Predators are 4-0-1 when leading after one period and a perfect 5-0-0 when leading after two. David Riddick has been Calgary's saving grace at 5-4-2 with a 2.86 goals against average and a 0.910 save percentage. Up front, the Flames are still having troubles getting their offense going as Elias Lindholm is on a four-game point streak and has three goals in four games. He's the only forward that seems to be able to put the puck in the net right now. On the season, he has eight goals and two assists in 14 games. Sean Monaghan, meanwhile, hasn't scored in 12 games, and in his last six, he only has two assists and is a minus four in that span. Johnny Goudreau hasn't scored in nine games and has four assists in his last six games and is a minus three in that same span. The Flames close out the month of October this weekend against the Columbus Blue Jackets on Saturday and the Washington Capitals on Sunday. 
We're going to take a break. And when I return, I bring on my next guest straight from Nashville, Carrie Underwood. Nope, just kidding. Uh, It's Robbie Stanley who covers the Nashville Predators for the NHL.com and is the host of the Robbie Stanley Show on 650 WSM in Music City. All right, I'm with Robbie Stanley who covers the Nashville Predators for NHL.com and is the host of the Robbie Stanley Show on 650 WSM in Music City. Is that correct, Robbie? Do I have it all covered? You are absolutely correct. Well done. <laughs> okay, so the Nashville Predators are 8-3-1. and one. Nick Bonino had a hat trick on Tuesday against the Chicago Blackhawks, and the team had 87 shot attempts. For you, what were your impressions of that game? And was this a statement game kind of for this group, or is it um, just so early in the season that they're still sort of finding their legs? They have had a hot start. Well, I think it was to the degree that they've been trying to kind of find their way in terms of playing a complete game. Really early on in the season, the Predators were scoring a lot of goals, but Peter Laviolette and their staff just weren't really happy with how they were playing defensively. And they've been kind of working since for the last four or five games to really correct that. And, of course, a really good way to do that is to have the puck the entire game, uh, which is essentially what happened against Chicago on Tuesday night. They had the puck for almost all of the game put up 51 shots, 87 shot attempts, were really dominant in that game. And if not for a a superhuman effort by Chicago goaltender Robin Leonard, they no lie probably could have won that game eight or nine to nothing. I mean, they were that good. And I'm not sure if that says more about the Predators and how well they played or about how much Chicago is struggling defensively right now. But there's no question the Predators played by far their best game of the season against the Blackhawks. So I think they're, they're slowly figuring out how to play defensively. A lot of it has been being smarter with the puck offensively because a lot of their chances against early on in the year were a direct result of them being in the offensive zone. They're creating pressure and then they make some bad decisions with the puck and they get caught on a three on one going the other way or a two on one or whatever the case would be on the odd man rush part of the game. So they've, they've cleaned that area up and, and probably the most impressive thing is they've still been able to score goals offensively without their best goal scorer for the last six games. Philip Forsberg has missed the last six games with a lower body injury. Could get in there against the Calgary Flames. If not, it'll be the next game against the New York Rangers. So they've still been able to keep pace and score with him out. But once he gets back in there, I think they're going to have that ideal depth that they've been looking for. And it's a big reason they went out and got Matt Duchesne. Pretty much the opposite of how the Calgary Flames Tuesday night game went in, um, well, for them went in Carolina. It was a a pretty, um, the third period, they barely touched the puck. So it was was pretty much, meanwhile, on Tuesday night, the Nashville Predators were having the opposite, (laughs) opposite effect. So, I mean, how does this, in your mind, how does Thursday night's matchup against the Calgary Flames look in your mind? I know um, Calgary's had some mixed, uh, um, some, some very good games in, in Nashville, and they've also been on some, on the end of some disappointing games. I've seen, um, been there up close and seen, um, covered a couple shootouts and uh, some overtime games and it can kind of go one of two ways what are you how are you seeing this matchup shakedown well it seems like when when the flames and predators play each other it's always a one goal game and I think uh you know a couple years ago and I haven't looked at the stats recently but it was something like 10 or 11 games in a row just were like a one goal game so it's always close between these two teams I will say that, that one thing Calgary really has going for it is they can skate very well and the predators 
when they've struggled the last couple years, it's been against some teams that skate very well. And that sounds weird to say, and I think it's going to be a little bit different with this Predators group this year because I think they're a faster team. But, you know, if you take a look at the Predators and their record under Peter Laviolette, they're like 1-8-2 and two in 11 games against the Detroit Red Wings. And the Detroit Red Wings, the last four or five years, have not been very good. But they skate really, really well, and the Predators have had a hard time handling that. Same thing with the Carolina Hurricanes. They skate very well, and the Predators at times have had difficulty in handling those type of teams. So uh, obviously Johnny Gaudreau and, and all this different speed that, that the Flames have uh, in their lineup, that has given the Predators some issues the last couple years. I don't know if it's going to be exactly that the same way this time around just because I think the Predators – are better equipped to deal with that. And Pecorine has gotten off to such a great start this year that he's really dialed in in goal right now. Uh, but I do think I, I expect a close game. I expect another one-goal game. Would not be surprised at all uh, if it goes to overtime because it seems like that happens uh, fairly regularly inside Bridgestone Arena when these two teams play each other. Now, I wanted to ask you something. So David Poyle has been the general manager of the, the Predators since 97. He's the longest-serving GM in the NHL. Right before the season started, I wrote something about the future of the Calgary Flames this season and what would happen if they missed the playoffs. Brad Living's teams have only won one round in three playoff appearances during his tenure, and he's made some excellent moves but also signed some pretty questionable free agents to interesting contracts long and expensive so and then shortly after of course the flames after i wrote this piece the flames confirmed their uh confidence in brad Trilliving and and, and upped him re-upped him for a few more years i was questioning whether or not flames general manager brad Trilliving's job would be in jeopardy like like what would happen if the flames missed the playoffs because at that point the flames hadn't re-signed brad Trilliving. so um and then you look at you look at I mean GMs in the league have such a different um, shelf life when it comes to their uh, to, like their their control of a team in in the league compared to the coaching's coaching staff. So you look at the coaching carousels that go on and on and on. Um, Tree Living is one is one of the tenth longest serving GMs in. Obviously, David Poyle's at the top. He just kind of keeps chugging along. What are your thoughts on his longevity as the GM of the Predators? And, and how, you know, has his um, impact been able, like, how has he just been able to do it to stay so relevant and, and current so long? Well, I think what really stands out to me about Poyle's tenure is especially the last six or seven years because that really coincides with when he's had the the funds and the resources to be able to go out and fully do his job. I mean, you got to remember when when the Predators came into the league in the 98-99 season, they just didn't really have much of a budget. I mean, you're an expansion team, you're coming in. It wasn't like the Vegas Golden Knights uh, where the expansion fee to get in the league was was that much money and you get your your pick of the mill at all these players uh, like Vegas did. The Predators really had to build their way and really start from the bottom and work their way up. So really up until about maybe 2010, 2011, uh, when the new local ownership group came in and really established their foothold in Nashville, David Poyle was kind of operating with, with one hand tied behind his back. I mean, he got Paul Correa to come to the Predators and sign as a free agent uh, before the 2005-2006 season. And that was by far the biggest move in the history of their franchise up until that point. 
but really didn't experience a lot of success in free agency, had to draft their players homegrown and develop them and try to remain competitive that way. And I think you can certainly do that, but we all know at some point you're either going to have to be able to make a trade uh, for some big-name guys to bring in to, to add to your offense or you're going to have to be able to sign a free agent. And the Predators just weren't able to do that for a long time. So to the Predators' credit, they stuck with David Poyle through those times, stuck with Barry Trotz all the way up until the 2014-15 season when Peter Laviolette was brought in. So they've only had two head coaches and one general manager in the history of their franchise that's been around since the 98-99 season, which is pretty remarkable when you think about it. So since David Poyle has been given the resources Uh, that he's been given the last five or six years to really go out and spend to the cap and be a competitive spending team, uh, much like the rest of the NHL, I think you've really seen what he's been able to do, and he's not afraid to make the big moves. I mean, he traded Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson straight up. We all know about the P.K. Subban and Shea Weber trade, even getting rid of P.K. Subban in the offseason, this past offseason to New Jersey and bringing in Matt Duchesne and signing him as a free agent. You're now starting to see... David Poyle really be able to operate and do what I think he's wanted to do the entire time he's been in Nashville, but just simply wasn't able to. And now you're starting to see the Predators consistently be successful, consistently be at the top of uh, the top of the Central Division on a yearly basis. So uh, I think he's always had this ability and always been a really, really good general manager. I just think the first 10 to 12 years that he was at the helm in Nashville, there just wasn't a whole lot of upside to his ceiling that he could get to just because of budget restraints and trying to build a new franchise. Well, that translates into my next question. So the Predators signed 29-year-old Roman Yossi to an eight-year contract extension, and Poyle seemed so confident in this decision that he also included a no-movement clause in the eight-year $72.4 million deal that will pay Roman Yossi an average annual value of nine point zero. $5 million. And just for a complete Flames comparison, Calgary signed Mark Giordano to a six-year deal in 2015 when he was 31, 30, turning 32 years old that year. I, I believe that Roman Yossi could win a Norris Trophy too, just like David Poyle um, said earlier this week. He's the captain, and I get that. Uh, but the contract seems a bit much for a player who is on the apex of his career. And I say that, and I ask that question knowing that Mark Giordano did win the Norris Trophy as a 35-year-old. So, it, <laughs> I mean, it's it, you you do maybe pay for the, the belief in the player, but also it just seems – it, 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 it's a risk. I, I don't know. What, what was the, what was your take on it in Nashville? It's certainly a risk. I mean, there's no question about that, particularly when he gets to the end of that contract. I mean, he's 29 years old right now, by the time that that contract doesn't kick in until next season. So by the time that contract's done, he's going to be 38 years old, which as we know in today's NHL, it's very rare to see a defenseman be able to hang around and play at that high of a level uh, at, when, when he gets to that age. So, the one thing that, that I will say that Roman Yossi has going for him is his skating ability is absolutely incredible. And he's I, I talked with Patrick Kane of the Blackhawks about this yesterday. It's not really that, that Yossi is overwhelmingly fast, although he is very fast. I mean, when it, when he participated in the in the skills competition a few years back in the speed challenge, I think he came in second only to Dylan Larkin of the Detroit Red Wings. So he's a very good skater, a very fast skater. But he's, he's just so good on his edges. He's so good. Uh, at creating space and creating room from the opposition. So sometimes you worry about players slowing down 
and not being being able to skate as well when they get into their you know your mid 30s or your late 30s I think even when that happens to Roman Yossi and it will happen at some point where he's not quite the same skater he's still going to be a pretty darn good skater I mean he's not going to be the Roman Yossi that we see right now but it, but he's still going to be able to skate pretty well so I think that part of it the Predators feel good about the the concern that's been brought up in Nashville and it, it really hasn't been an issue the last four or five years but early on in Roman Yossi's career he had some concussion problems he had uh, you know two or three concussions right in a row like that that were that were very quick in succession uh, that got Predators fans very worried to the point that uh, you know we, we've talked about the last few years Roman Yossi signed a seven-year 28 million dollar deal I, I think in 2013 that only paid him four million dollars a year which if you take a look at his body of work means he's probably been one of if not the most underpaid defenseman in the entire league for the last several seasons but part of the reason he he signed that contract was the long-term security because he was dealing with concussion problems early on in his career and wanted that security of having a seven-year deal well now I think he's moved past that it hasn't been an issue in a long time but as we know with concussions it doesn't really matter how much time has gone away from them from the times you've had them when you start to have you know multiple concussions that's always going to be a concern uh, moving forward so that part has been the part the Predators and their fans uh, have been concerned about just from the re- reaction since Roman Yossi signed his deal on Tuesday but I, I don't worry as much about his play I think he's going to be a good enough skater even in his late 30s that he'll still be able to play at a pretty high level. Robbie, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure to have you on and uh, looking forward to Thursday's game and seeing uh, Roman Yossi and the rest of the Nashville Predators against the Calgary Flames. Thank you so much for having me. It's been my honor to be on. All right, that's it for me today, folks. On Friday, I will tee up the weekend's games, Columbus and Washington, as the Flames close out this five-game road trip. I'll recap Thursday's clash, and as well, I'll be chatting with Allison Lucan, who works for The Athletic in Columbus. Thank you so much for tuning in. Your support means so much to me. Please subscribe, download, share, rate, and review this podcast to help me grow it. Also, you can send me an email at kanderson at postmedia or on social media, Twitter and Instagram at k.anderson or on my professional Facebook page, Kristen Anderson.